Blog Talk Radio. Our 12th episode of the IV will be discussing Cubs news and how the past week of spring training games have went so far, as well as the second base situation and Ian Happ's demotion. As there have been many extensions in the past week, we will discuss what that means for Cubs players we believe should be extended. We also have our fourth segment of Cub of Yesteryear, as we'll be talking about Cubs and Bono. We talk about it all in our 12th episode of the IV. Sunday afternoon to join us here. Max, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. All right. Well, today we'll be talking about some Cubs updates, including a dive into the Cubs last week of spring training games, and then we'll discuss the second base situation as well, as Ian Happ's recent demotion at AAA, along with all the recent extensions and what that means for Cubs youngsters such as Chris Bryant and Javi Baez. Then we'll wrap it up in our fourth edition of the Cub of Yesteryear, where we'll be highlighting former Cub Carlos Zimbrano. Lastly, make sure to call into the show by calling the number 845-277-9345. That's 845-277-9345. Join us, ask a question, or comment on anything Cubs related. Also, for more of the IV content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com. And also, if you're going to be going to any of the last spring training games or if you want to go to the Cubs opening day, make sure to use promo code BPN10. That's BPN10 on Stubyard for 10% off any tickets for every event. So, Max, today uh, we're first going to get into the spring training notes, and I'm going to let you open it up with the Cubs' first game of this last week on Tuesday, March 18th. Yeah, so Tuesday, March 18th, the Cubs beat the Mariners 6-4 to at Sloan Park in the first game of a split squad on Tuesday. Um, Javi went 2-3 for three with a run scored. Ian Happ got the Cubs on the board with an RBI ground rule double. Um, a three-run third inning from Schwarber's sack fly, Contreras' RBI single, and Darvish's RBI single. Cole Roeder also hit his first homer of the spring as we brought him into the podcast. Um, I believe that was like our second. Maybe it was our first one, actually. But um, Darvish also threw four and two-thirds with five hits, one earned run, and two walks, along with six Ks. And Chatwood also earned his third hold with a scoreless eighth inning. And Thomas, if I, believe, if I remember correctly, that was a game where he got the blister, right? Yeah, so he yeah. Just got the blister. Um, he did uh, post on Instagram that uh, he would be ready for the next start, and he was um, as he made his next start. Um, definitely a little bit concerning, though, uh, when we saw that news come out, um, as you know, we never want to see that happen, especially with already what we have with Brandon Barrow and Pedro Stroke. Uh, being injured. Um, however, an update on Pedro Strope, as I saw a couple of days ago, is that he had a nice bullpen session with D. Darvish. Um, and Oman is actually optimistic that he'll be ready for opening day, uh, the chances of Strope being ready. I mean, seeing that, for me, seeing that he was throwing, um, it seems to be trending in the right direction, whereas I thought he wouldn't be ready at first um, a couple of weeks ago. I think he actually may be ready uh, for Thursday against Texas. Um, I know I know Pedro's scheduled for another bullpen session sometime um before spring or before spring training is done. I'm not sure when it is, but I really think um Joe's gonna see how he does and how he feels um there and then I think he'll do, because really, I mean, you'd rather get him all the way healthy than rush him. So mm-hmm. I mean, I think it depends what Joe sees and what the rest of the staff sees. Yeah, definitely. And so then the Cubs' second game of that day, uh, that first one was the first of a split squad. Um, the second game, the Cubs lost to the Royals 8-6 to six on the road. Uh, KC was actually up 8-0 to zero after two innings, so the Cubs made a good comeback, uh, but a little uh, too late for that. Um, Thomas Hatch really struggled getting up seven earned out of those eight runs in the first two innings. Um, I will say, though, that Randy Rosario and Rowan Wicks 
Rowan Wick looked good out of the pattern. Um, Mark Sagunas hit his fourth home run of the spring, get the Cubs on the board finally in the third inning, and then another notable uh, performance with Miguel Amaya, uh, catching prospect, uh, recorded an RBI single in the seventh, cut the Royals' lead to 8-5, to five, but like I said, uh, it's a little too late uh, for the Cubs to come all the way back from eight runs down. Uh, the Cubs dropped to 15-11, 15-11 on the spring after that loss. Um, and then after that, it was uh, March 20th against the Dodgers. So March 20th, um, it was the first Cubs tie of the of spring training. Cole Hamlin started and wasn't all that great through six innings, seven hits, four earned runs, two walks, and five carries. Um, obviously not what you want to see for him in the four allowed runs. Um, I mean, it was it was good that he could throw six innings. Spring is really just to build up to the point of being able to get to six innings, and I don't know how many pitches he threw. But um, it was good to see that he could throw that, but um, I'd like to see a little bit more from him um, with the hits and not giving up as many hits. Um, but both teams were combined one for 16 with runs in scoring position. Um, that was a little, I don't know how to, off, I guess. I mean, Cubs and Dodgers are usually, I mean, teams who are more, um, I guess, dangerous at the plate when there's runs in scoring position. Um, but Janochi, I believe that's his first name, Tawaza struck out the side, um, and then he was eventually cut from the roster, um, which I know that was a little surprising to you, Thomas. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean... I know he was he had a good spring and I, I thought he was someone that could possibly make the bullpen like due to all the injuries and Hap just getting sent down as well. Um I mean like I don't know if there was a certain reason why he was or like is there someone else who's gonna take the spot in the bullpen? Like do you have any idea what like who would? So I've been looking <clears throat> like on Twitter and Bleacher Report or whatever um, and I can't seem to find anything on why they would have caught him, um, at least from what I'm looking at. Um, obviously, he's 33 years old, uh, he, but he had five and two-thirds innings uh, in spring this year and six games played, uh, and he only allowed two hits, no earned runs, zero walks, uh, and nine strikeouts. So arguably, probably the best pitcher, uh, stats-wise, out of our bullpen uh, this spring um, possibly, I think the only reason I can come to Max is that his past, you know, uh, yeah. with this, you know, 2017 over a five ERA and then 2018 and 2019, uh, you know, seven, seven ERA over seven ERA, just not good, uh, with Miami in 2018. So, um, possibly just his past and his struggle past, just the Cubs didn't maybe see a long-term fit for him, but, as for what he was producing in spring, I didn't really know. I thought it, they cut the cord out of a little too early. Yeah, I agree. And then do you have anything else from that game? Yeah, so um, Rizzo also hit his second homer of the spring in the sixth. Um, Cubs were then only down two. Ian Happ also had an RBI ground out, and Zobris had an RBI single to tie the game at four. Um, and as we said earlier, this was the first game of the spring, which was our first tie. Yeah, and that was kind of interesting um, that that was the first game uh, to tie because the next game actually was another tie uh, with the Giants on March 21st, just a few days ago. Uh, Kyle Hendricks looked pretty good. Uh, he went five and two-thirds. The seven hits uh, wasn't great, but only three earned, one walk, three Ks. Uh, kind of just a typical Hendricks performance, nothing too um, outstanding, but we can see him go six innings and go up three consistently. Uh, once the season starts, I don't think that's anything that's going to hurt the Cubs. Yeah, I agree. And then, the only the only thing, Thomas, just don't. Ahead. The only thing that was a little concerned, like the three Ks, was a little weird to me. Like even in like a spring training game, like doesn't mm-hmm. he? I don't know. I just I like I don't remember what his past pitching performances have been in the spring and like how many guys or Ks he's had. But I, I just find it a little weird. Like, have like, I'll, I'll figure it out right now. But has like, do you have any idea if his numbers have been low all spring? Well, I don't know the exact. I'm checking right now, but um, I do know that just in general, these pitchers 
uh, their goal is pretty much just to get working, and it's not necessarily about getting the case um, because they're just kind of trying to put pitches that are going to be hit and play so that they can get out of the innings faster, um, being that they don't want to have 20 to 25 pitch innings, uh, kind of no matter what. So they're willing to give up more hits and more balls in play. That's why you see the seven hits. But um, you see that when it came down to it, he only gave up three earned runs. Yeah, Um, yeah. Did you end up finding anything about the spring training? I know that uh, over the course – here we go – this year's spring training, his strikeout per nine is actually 7.7 strikeouts, which is – uh, pretty good, uh, yeah. but but yeah. I mean, when you take that down into six innings, it's only about uh, it's about five, four or five strikeouts in six innings. So it's a little below average, but yeah, um, it's mainly about them just not having huge innings that have to take a toll on their arms before the games actually start. Yeah. And then um, also, Brandon Kim started a scoreless inning for the Cubs. He struck out two batters. Uh, Brad Brock also recorded for this ninth inning. I think he's going to be really big as the Cubs turn the page towards opening day, um, especially if Strope isn't ready to go. Uh, Albert Almora homered in the first uh, to cut the Giants' lead to 2-1. to one. That was the third homer in the spring. And the Cubs were actually down 5-4 entering the ninth, but Cavante Mitchell, who I'm actually unsure of who that is, uh, but Cavante Mitchell hit his first homer in the spring uh, in the ninth in the Cubs' last at-bat, uh, which forced the second straight tie against the Giants March 21st. Okay, so our next game was um, March 22nd. The Cubs beat the Rangers 7-3 to um, in another split squad game. You don't usually see that often, two split squads in, a, in the same week. Um, mm-hmm. Javi had an RBI single in the first, which gave the, gave the Cubs a one nothing lead. Um, and then he hit his first homer of the spring, um, which was, I didn't even realize that. That was his first one, but he hit a three-run homer to make it a 4 nothing game. Um, Winton Bernard scored on a wild pitch in the seventh, and Ben Zobrist also hit his first homer of the spring to make it 6-1. to um, Winton Bernard then had then scored in the eighth with after an RBI single. Um, Quintana started that game, went six innings, only four hits allowed, one earned run and six Ks. Um, his spring training ERA was at, at 1.80 after that. Um, that's like like, I mean, I, I think, like, Quintana really hasn't lived up to expectations as mm-hmm. of what we've seen so far, like, since we acquired him. I mean, like, maybe this is just, like, it's like, hey, it's spring training starting off the year. But, I mean, like, if it's a breakout year and, like, everyone, like, not everyone because no, not everyone's always healthy, but, like, if you have key guys like Bryant and Darvish who are healthy, like, that could be huge, like, just in the rotation because, like, Really, John Lester's going to decline. I mean, Hendricks will probably get better. Hamels is probably going to decline. So, I mean, Quintana Quintana pitching good could be, I mean, really huge to this team in 2019. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's a little concerning with the Lester, not with Lester's performance in spring training, which we'll get into later, um, but seeing other guys like Quintana um, and Darvish step up so far has been good to see. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and Chatwood also earned his fourth hold of the spring with another scoreless inning um, in that game. Good to see as well. Yeah, and so then the second game of that uh, split squad was the Cubs losing to Cleveland by score of 8-3. to three. So both split, split squads this week, uh, we actually went 1-1 one one in both of those. Uh, Dwayne Underwood Jr. struggled in this game. He started, gave a four earned in one inning. Uh, Mike Zagurski relieved him, but he wasn't much better giving up two earned as the Cubs were down early. Uh, the Cubs actually led 2-0 to zero in the first, thanks to Addy's RBI triple and Mark Zagunis' sack fly, uh, but the lead was definitely short-lived. And then Johnny Field homered in the sixth to the last the Cubs run, his fourth homer in the spring. It's good to see that uh, he his power really uh, has shown in spring so far. Do you know if Johnny Field is still on the roster? I don't believe he is. I think he got caught. Okay, because I, I was thinking about it, like – I know we're talking about Hap in a, in a few minutes, but, like, who is going to fill Hap's spot? Because yeah, you have to have a fourth outfielder, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, go ahead. It, I, I just think it's, like, it's it's all weird to me. It's really weird to me. Yeah, and I also know that Ryan Court um, was 
was cut as well. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So yesterday's game, March 23rd, the Cubs lost to the Rockies 11 to six. Um, John Lester looked horrible. Once again, four innings pitch, nine hits, six earned runs, one walk and four Ks. Um, his ERA is now at 10.57. Um, I mean, I know we had talked about it last time, but like, it's a little, it's a little concerning and shaky now that like, he's still giving up six earned runs, um, like four days away from the opening day, which he starts. So it's probably his last start of the spring. Um, not a great note to go out on really, but I mean, we'll see how he pitches opening day. Um, another concerning note, Steve Cichet gave up five earned runs and only recorded one out um, as a, as the Rockies offense really didn't slow down. Um, the Rockies were 10 for 14 with runs in scoring position. Um, that's like, I don't even, that's just wild. 10 for 14. Um, Javi had an, another RBI single to give the Cubs a one nothing lead in the first. He then homered for his second of the spring to tie the game at three in the third inning. Christian Donahue also hit a, a three-run homer of the spring. Um, and the Cubs dropped to 16-13-2. And, um, and then today, the Cubs face the Padres at 2-10 Central Time as Mike, Mike Montgomery will make the start for the Cubs versus left-handed pitcher Logan Allen. Yeah, so I think overall, a um, pretty good week for the Cubs. I think it, it we've seen better uh, so far in spring training, but... Uh, with Tim Thomas' good performance and some good hitting performances, we saw Baez kind of get his power, power stroke back, so that was good to see. Um, but we're going to get into an ad now with the Marlins catch, and then we're going to get into the second base situation and talk about Ian Hatch's motion. In this week's episode of the Marlins catch, we will be discussing the opening series for the Marlins against the Rockies. We will also be continuing our weekly spring training awards for the final week of spring training. And discussing the final cuts the fish have made. You guys don't want to miss it right here on the Marlins Catch at 7.30 Eastern, Monday night. Welcome back into the 12th episode of the IV here. Uh, make sure you call into the show if you want uh, via the number 845-277-9345. You can join us, ask a question, or comment on anything Cubs related. But Max, we're going to get into the second topic today, uh, which involves the Cubs' second, second base situation. Uh, and obviously the recent news of yesterday, Ian Happ being demoted. And overall, Matt, just give me your thoughts about Ian Happ, and then uh, you can switch over to me and I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, I mean, as most of you guys probably know, Ian Happ is one of, if not my favorite player. Um, And, I mean, to me, I find it all like – like, I totally understand the point of, yeah, he was bad, like, this spring. But if you look at, if I remember correctly, if you look at Albert Amor's, uh stats last year, like, he was not good. Like, I understand that, like, Hap is, like, this, he's going into his third year of his career. And, like, it's concerning when you're batting, like, 115 in spring. I mean, like, I, I see the point of him being sent down to the minors. And, like, he has to work on, like, power back and, like, the strikeout issue. But, I mean, like... Ian Happ is, like, as what I have seen, like, in him in public and, like, him at the Cubs convention and stuff, like, this dude, like, he he acts like he doesn't want to have, like, social interaction, if you want to say that, like, with any of the fans. And I just, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't like, and I was, re- and I watched Joe's interview, too, and, and then John Lester said he was going to talk to him. Like, I understand, like, I agree with it, but I don't agree with it. Like, I don't know. Like, what's your what are your thoughts on it, Thomas? Yeah, I think I'm a little more for it than you, definitely. Um, I've been a big proponent of Elmora. Uh, just, I don't know. There's just something about, I think both these two players, they haven't really shown that either of them are everyday players yet, as we know. But for me, it just, I felt like Elmora has grown a little bit faster in his game. Um, and obviously, you can see that in the stats. I think this spring was um, really just – it was almost like a head-to-head competition. You know, when you look at it now, once Ian Happ's demoted, you kind of look at um, if they were just looking at Ian Happ or Albert Amora. And Ian Happ with a 135 batting average, no home runs, which, you know, is concerning considering he has power, which we've seen. Um, 
less than 200 on base percentage. And then you look at Almora and 388 batting average. 1-2 slugging isn't great, but three home runs. Um, I just think the Cubs, it's not that they were going to demote. It's not like they were going to demote Almora. Um, but it, I think that there's a fine line as of right now where both these players are at their progression. And uh, for me, I think having Ian Happ go down to AAA and whether it's, you know, only a couple weeks, maybe an injury comes up or something, or whether it's the first couple months, uh, I think that Ian Happ playing every day out in the outfield, as Joe Madden said, will really help his progression, kind of give him some more confidence before he goes to CMLB because if you're only hitting 135 in spring training, I mean, why would you set up a guy for failure in such a big city, you know, in Chicago for the fans to kind of just write him off? Um, we saw this with Kyle Schwarber where people wanted to trade him. Uh, and not necessarily that uh, Kyle's performance was this bad, but um, a lot of people jumped off the Schwarber bandwagon really quick, um, and it kind of bit them. Uh and they kind of ate their words. So I really think that they're trying to preserve what Ian Happ's potential is um, and kind of a safe move, you could say, moving into AAA. And also, uh, since I'm such a big proponent of Albert Amora, I think he should get the chance to start every day. And I think that this move ensures that, at least for uh, until the time Ian Happ gets recalled, which we know will happen. Um, so overall, uh, I think, and if Albert Amora can't do it, at least we can say that, or if he can't be an everyday player, at least we can say that uh, we gave him the chance. Uh, so overall, because we know Ian Happ will get there eventually, uh, and he'll get his chance. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a good move. Honestly, uh, I was I definitely a little shocked. Like you, I don't think anyone wasn't shocked um, just because of the impact that Ian Happ had last year. Um, you know, but yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean. I guess I can see it. I mean, it was kind of just out of nowhere, though, which, I mean, he was he was pretty upset as what I had saw. And, I mean, I had seen some some quotes, like I said earlier, from Lester that he would talk to him after just, Pat yeah, had calmed calm down a little bit. Point. I don't get the point of bringing him up to the MLB if he's already struggling to begin the year. I mean, like I said, they don't want to set up their players for failure, especially uh, especially a guy like Ian Happ um, that has so much weight kind of in Chicago with the Albert Amor Ian Happ conversation and debate that people have every day with this team. Uh, so I think kind of understanding that Almar is ahead of him in progression um, and that Happ just isn't ready yet isn't the worst thing, perhaps, uh, just – and it's potential because he should be with the Cubs for a while. Yeah. And so then you get into the second base conversation, Max. Um, and with Ian Happ, obviously, option at AAA, there's really two main options at second base. As we know, Javi will be starting at shortstop. Um, and those two options are Ben Zobris and David Bodie. Uh, for me, I would, you know, the real question is does Joe want Bodie or Hayward to start more? Obviously, we saw it with David Bodie, um, kind of opposite of Ian Happ. He was just really quick uh, to progressing and producing in the major leagues. And um, I think you give him the chance uh, more than Hayward to start more. Uh, what do you think about the whole situation? Um, I mean, so we know we play in Texas opening day, so you'll probably see um, both of them in the starting lineup. Um, but really, when you're playing NL teams, I mean, for me, it comes down to the stats. And I think I think David Bodie is, um, I mean, as a stat show, he's far better versus left-handed pitchers than right-handed pitchers. Um, mm-hmm. So last year versus lefties, he only played in 37 games with a 375 um, BABIP, um, a 381 on base percentage with only 19 Ks, um, and 59 games. Uh, versus right-handed pitchers, he had a 293 on base with 41 Ks. I mean, sometimes I wonder if like I, I have no idea what Joe looks at. Like for start, I'm sure he looks at splits, but it it's just, I don't know. Like like maybe it was just because it was David Bowie's first year. Maybe he wanted like to play him versus both, see if he'd improve versus right-handed pitchers. 
like, but is that going to change this year? Like, is he going to play like a lot during left-handed pitchers? Like maybe some of the time versus right-handed pitchers just get better because there's more, or is he still going to play like not as like? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I, 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 just, I think for I think for opening day, um, our lineup yesterday is a good is a good building block. I think our lineup yesterday actually may possibly be our opening day. And to answer your question, I don't think David Bowie will start uh, opening day, I, I, and I'm not sure that that's the right move. But um, as you see with opening day, uh, the, the veterans and kind of the guys that have always been the starters uh, start those games usually. Um, and, and that comes down to whether Joe Madden wants to use the splits or not because we know that David Bodie should be playing over Hayward in that matchup against Mike Miner on Thursday. Um, but in the end, um, the lineup yesterday, which in, which was Albert and Morris uh, hitting leadoff, Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez, we know that two through four is going to stay consistent, along with Contreras at five. Uh, we'll, I think we'll see Zobrist at second. Uh, Hayward uh, should should fill right. And then uh, Schwarber probably will be the DH, in my opinion. Uh, we'll probably see the, the uh, classic Lester hitting eighth. Um, which also we'll talk about in a little bit about Lester and possibly he he might not even start opening day in my opinion and I think Max you may agree. Wasn't um, he already wasn't he already told he was starting opening day? So he was, but like, uh, would you really think that could change? I wouldn't be. I mean, I I would give it a ten percent chance of changing. Like I I don't think it's high, but I don't, I don't know. Um, I think like I for me, I I think that really screw with like. John and like John Lester, and I think that show like like that Joe. I don't know like if you want to use the word trust, but, like I feel like that would yeah. show like yeah. So, yeah that's but why, like, that's who's why, the better option? Who's the better option? I would say, from what we've seen, I would like once again. I give it like a ten percent chance, but would you be that surprised if you Darvish started against Texas? His former team or Cole Hamels. I mean, they they both have the no, former team I mean, narrative. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's opening day. Like, with, I don't know. Like, if, yeah. if Lester if Lester talked to Madden and uh, told him kind of they they know you know something's not right with Lester and we're only five days away now that the time's kind of ticking and you have two candidates that face their that going up against their former team they'd be they'd be hyped up for they'd be ready to go and I think both Hamels and Darvish honestly against their former teams, if they were to start uh, stats-wise, I don't think it would be the right move uh, because it would hurt Lester's confidence. But I think that if all three started, that Lester would have the worst numbers out of those three, in my opinion. So do you I, – I don't I don't know if Joe – I, think, I think Lester will have his worst – like out of our series with, with Texas, I think the worst start will be John Lester. So then you sit there and you think – yeah, well, why would he be our opening day star? But it's it's such a hitter friendly park. Like I mean, like yeah, I see where you're coming from with Darvish. Like Darvish and uh, Hamels have both pitched there for years of their careers in their past. But I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. Has Joe said who is going to start or who's going to pitch down there? Because I I thought I read something like that Hamels and Darvish were for sure were for sure pitching in Texas. Yeah, I mean. How many, we have three. We have four games down there. Is that right? Three. Uh, no, it's three. Is it three? Is it yeah. Three? Okay. So yeah. if Lester starts game one, then uh, yeah, I, I feel like you would see uh, you would see those two before you saw Hendricks or Quintana. Right. Because um, like maybe maybe not Hendricks, but you wouldn't see Quintana for sure. You agree? Yeah. That? Yeah. I mean, to me, I just like I would I would put Darvish and Hamels down there just because. Like they had pitched their years of their careers and and like they were good other than Hamill's last season. Um, obviously Darvish had injury issues there, but I mean like that doesn't. I guess it changes how yeah. you pitch if you're pitching through an injury, but I mean. And even if it's not, even if it's not, even if let's just start opening day and it's not Darvish or uh, Hamill's, I do think that it's going to be great for Cole Hamill's and New Darvish to have their first game against their former teams. Um, and kind of just not necessarily like a slap in the face to Texas, 
But, you know, like, you never want to see extra Texas. Like, they don't want to see those two guys do well, you know, opening series in their home ballpark. And that would be just a great start for the Cubs and give, if Darvish and Hamilton have great outings, that gives them so much confidence, not just for their next start, but even just sets the tone for the whole season. Yeah. I mean, some. so I don't even know how I forgot this, but um, so we mentioned Ben Zobris and, and David Bodie for second base. But, I mean, totally, like, I don't even know how I forgot. But Daniel Descalso, mm-hmm. like, he, like, so, like, were you thinking of him when you said, like, that Bodie probably won't start opening day? Yeah, so I think, okay, so. Because now that I uh, think. Now that I think about Definitely. it, I think Descalso is probably starting opening day. Yeah, so so the lineup yesterday actually didn't have a DH. So when you take that into account, um, yeah, I think Lester's spot, obviously Lester won't be in there. So if Lester plays, or if Descalso takes Lester's spot, I think that's where it ends up. Um, and I'm not sure exactly the positions, but I would have a good feeling that it would be a more Bryant, Rizzo, Bias, Contreras. Amora leading off? I would have Amora leading off. I mean, who else would? I don't know. Zobris? I mean... uh, I think... I I like Zobris a lot better. I mean, I don't I don't like Descalso. I mean... So, did you see the quote by Joe? Or maybe, like, it was just... I don't even know. There was something that was said that Joe had said Descalso would be facing right-handed pitchers more than left-handed pitchers this coming season. Did you see mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. So, so that makes you think that David Bowie would possibly start over. Yes, but that was head. so that was so odd to me because like I mean, they, like looking at last season, Daniel Descalso versus right-handed pitchers, like he was good. He was so good, two twenty-seven batting average, but a three fifty-one on base, four sixteen slugging, um, and a ninety-five TOPS plus, and a hundred twenty-six games. But versus left-handed pitchers, um, 60 games, 286 batting average, 365 on base, a 524 slugging, and a 368 BIBAP. So, like, I am so I, – I, like, I have no idea what's going through Joe's head when he said that. Like, had he, like, fully – like, was it just because he played more versus right-handed pitchers? Like, it doesn't – it doesn't something doesn't add up. And it, it also doesn't make sense because, like – David Bodie is better against left-handed pitchers as well. So you can't put David Bodie out there versus like don't get me wrong, I would 100% rather have Descalso out there than um David Bodie like versus yeah. a right-handed pitcher. But versus a left-handed pitcher, like they can't both start can't, because like they both play either second base or if KB, yeah. I mean KB could move to the outfield and Descalso could move to third or Javi could move to third and I I don't know. I just I I think we have a lot of like good options. I just like some of the things Joe says. I don't know. It just like yeah. something doesn't add up. For me, I think I'll go on record saying that I think that Descalso will start opening day. I think our lineup will consist of, and I'm not sure exactly the order, but I'd do something like this. It would be Almora, Bryant, Rizzo, Bias, Contreras. Zobris in left, Hayward in right, um, and then, or sorry, I would probably, I don't know the exact order, but I would have Schwarber in DH and then Descalso playing second. Okay, yeah, I agree. I don't think David Bodie will get an opening day start. I don't think he's like, we know he's not an everyday player, and I think they're going to want to use Descalso, you know, bringing him in to fill Daniel Murphy kind of. Um, especially since we have the DH, um, I would go on record saying that Bodie doesn't start and Descalso gets to start and Schwarber shifts over to DH and Zobris goes out into left. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I agree with you there. I I don't even know how I forgot Descalso earlier. But, I mean, to me, I think, I mean, Amore has had it like an outstanding spring um, compared to, like, other guys. But, I mean, for me, I think I'd, like, just because of, like, past years, like, Zobris was super reliable out of the leadoff spot last year. Like, he gets on nearly 30% more than, more than Omora, if I remember correctly. 
Because what was a, mm-hmm. a Morris on base percentage was low last year, like low where it was like, getting a little concerning to me. I mean, uh, I don't know. A Morris on base last year was three twenty three. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that out of the. I mean, like first half it was it was like three fifties, three forties, like high three forties, low three fifties, because he was batting like three twenty at the break or something. But, like, he kind of just fell off. Like, I mean, I think if he can stay on the whole year, I mean, it's a big if. But, like, if he can, then, like, he he will probably bat lead off. And, I mean, who knows about Zobris? Like, is Zobris going to decline? Like, is he going to be as good as 2018? Or is he going to be, get, like, 2017 again? Like, where he just kind of, like, fell off a cliff out of nowhere. Yeah, the reason I would have Omar starting also is just the speed. Um, I don't know exactly what Mike Miner's uh, stats are with stolen bases, but I know the Cubs are going to try, and we've seen in the past, just be super aggressive on the base path. And if Omora can get on, he definitely offers you more upside in that in that category with stolen bases and going first to third than Zobich does. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to get into a fan cast ad, and then we're going to talk some of the recent extensions they will be and what it means for the Cubs players. I'm Isaac, and on this week of FanCast, we will be talking to you about many different things. Will Sean Rodriguez get the final roster spot in the infield? Who is the closer in this crowded bullpen? David Robertson or Sir Anthony Dominguez? And will Reese Hoskins' shoulder be a problem come opening day? And is Gabe Kapler on the hot seat, considering the, expecta- the lofty expectations given to him so far? All this and more on this week's episode of FanCast. Also, make sure to tune in to see how Bryce Harper does. Welcome to the 12th, back into the 12th episode of the Ivy here. Um, also, you can call in via the number 845-277-9345 to join us on the show. But, Max, the next eight to ten minutes or so, we're going to get into uh, the Cubs, uh, let's see here, the Cubs, or the extension, sorry, uh, the recent extensions in the MLB. Um, and, obviously, I'm going to start it out with Mike Trout signing his 12-year, $426.5 million extension with the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, this really doesn't come to any surprise to anyone. I think that we both said on the podcast, a few weeks ago that if Mike Trout was to resign with the Angels, that it would be uh, north of $400 million, and we saw just that. Um, and so, overall, um, I'm really happy for Mike Trout. Um, I think he – I know that people are saying that, you know, no human deserves over $400 million, uh, or no, no player does, uh, but um, you can't argue with anything that Mike Trout has done uh, in his time in L.A., yeah, I yeah I, t- I totally agree. I mean, Trout has been the best player ever. I mean, really ever since he has been up in the MLB after that those first two two years. I think I mean, I mean his rookie year he only played like 50 games if I remember correctly. But I mean, the dude deserves I mean every cent of it. Um, and I've seen people saying like still like 426 and a half million is still low for him. Um, I mean just just the standpoint of reaching that number um, is, is pretty crazy to me. Um, I mean, I'm super happy for him. Um, and we've seen quite a few other extensions too. Um, just in the past week, Alex Bregman with Houston um, also signed a five-year, $100 million extension, um, as well as, as Justin Verlander and Riley, Ryan Presley for, for the Astros. Um, Justin Verlander got a two-year, $66 million extension while relief pitcher Ryan Presley got a two-year, $17.5 million, um, extension. Obviously, um, I think players are starting to, um, if you want to say, I don't know, a better uh, phrase for it, but, I mean, I think they're getting scared and they're more running towards um, money so they don't get stuck in the free agency where they're still in March and they don't have – a team and they're not getting paid what they think they deserve. Um, so, I mean, I think we'll probably see 
Um, a lot of that come. I mean, we probably won't see much during the during the season. I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk um, about the Mets and Jacob Degrom. Um, there's, I mean, there's Mets fans out there like cussing out their front office, um, who has done a fantastic job this off season, um, just making trades and signing players, um, and they're like full out like getting. Like, I see the standpoint, like, Jacob deGrom is, like, someone you need to get locked up, and, like, you don't want to lose that dude to free agency. But, like, I, I don't know what his contract – like, if I don't think he's a free agent after the season, but I might be wrong. Um, Like, it's just crazy to me, like, how guys are – like, like trust me, like, I want Theo to – some of our guys super bad, but it's not like I'm getting pissed off at what he's doing. Like, I, I don't know. It just blows my mind, like, how fans can act like that towards the front office who probably had one of the best free agencies in all of baseball other than the Phillies. Yeah, um, and a few other uh, key notable extensions include Blake Snell, five years for $50 million with the Rays. I think that that's just such a good deal for the Rays. Um, $10 million a year for Blake Snell, uh, a Cy Young candidate, and, you know, just I, I've always enjoyed watching Blake Snow. Kind of the way he carries himself, uh, I think he kind of has this silent swagger to him. I've always enjoyed watching him, and um, I think that he could have got a little bit more money, but I think the small market in Tampa is just a great fit for Blake to stay in. Um, and then another notable, I don't know if you mentioned this, but the White Sox actually locked up El Hoya Menace, the former Cub, who uh, we traded – uh, in exchange for Jose Quintana, and uh, that was a six-year, $43 million deal with two club options, and it could reach up to $77.5 million with incentives. Another good move by the White Sox, even though he hasn't played a game yet, um, because, you know, if he doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but if it does, uh, for what El Hoy should be, $7 million a year for the next six years or five years, um, you know, it, that's a great, great value deal to me. But overall, Max, um, what do you think this means for players like Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo? Um, we've had a long past of them just kind of being on these arbitration deals, and they will continue to be on those arbitration deals through 2021, uh, but, or at least with Javi and uh, KD. And Rizzo also will be a cub through that year. Um, and I know I talked about it. I think it was like our first or second podcast about uh, Chris Bryant's future with the Cubs. He did come out, um, I think, like five five days ago, about a week ago, saying that he wanted to be a Cub forever, um, yada, yada, yada. But in the end, it's going to come down to money, uh, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, as of right now, uh, and I don't know, I think this is an unpopular opinion, but as of right now, uh, stats-wise and everything, I, I'd rather have uh, Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez, if, you know, Dean, he said you can only have two of your three wishes. Oh, I mean, to me, I, I think, I think, like Thomas, I think we can both agree on this. But um, I believe our front office is probably one of the best, if not the best, um, front office in all of baseball. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, along with our ownership too. I mean, the Ricketts do so much, like, just to help. Um, do as much to this team, like to help them win. I know a lot of people with will go on about the Bryce Harper, um, stuff. Well, we didn't get Bryce Harper. They didn't put money towards Bryce Harper. Um, but really, I mean, just I mean the TV deal next season. I don't know if you've seen the amount of money we're making off of that, but as what I've seen, we're we're gonna be getting like two hundred fifty million. I mean. I don't know how over how many years, but it's like 250 million by the time like all of it is quote unquote done, and you're still going to be making money from all the subscriptions and stuff, um, which is totally. I mean, which re- really leads me to think like I think there's a chance we lock up KB and Rizzo. KB and I, I think KB and Rizzo will both get locked up for sure. I, I mean, I think that's like no question. They're both getting. I mean, sign long-term. They're going to be Cubs the rest of their career. Um, I think Javi, I mean, like you said, I remember talking about this earlier in the podcast, probably, like you said, first or second episode. I mean, Javi, 
I mean, everyone loves Javi. It's hard not to. I mean, if you're a Cubs fan, but I really think he's probably he'll probably get lock hold he'll be talked to. Um, as well as other guys like Schwarber. Um, I think Hendricks and Carl Edwards Jr. will probably get locked up. I know I don't even know why people hate on Edwards. It blows my mind. Like I get the point of like, yeah, he had games where he struggled, but like, doesn't everyone? Like, does Hendricks not struggle at times? Like, does John Lester? Does Chris Bryant? I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's a I think there's a lot of guys on this team who, um, really want to stick around and want to, um, build. If you want to say, if they, what they want to do is they want to stay here with like the guys that they've played with for, I mean, five years, four or five years now. I mean, Chris Bryant has been up since he's going into his, is this his sixth season now? Or is it his fifth? I'm pretty sure it's his sixth. I believe it's his sixth, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I just think that they really want to stay with these guys and a lot of them want to stay together. I mean, obviously you can't resign everyone. So you'll probably see, um, guys go like, I mean, like guys, you probably won't see like Schwarber. I could see going like, will it happen? I don't know. Like Contreras, like, I mean, I love Contreras. Like I'd love to see him locked up, but like, will it happen? Like, I don't know. But like, to me, like Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, like no question. I think they're being signed long-term. Yep, and so now we're going to get into a pinstripe talk ad, and then we're going to get into our fourth edition of Cubble Yesterday, where we're highlighting Carlos and Barnes today. Hello, Yankee fans. Tune in to Pinstripe Talk this Wednesday at 5. We go over everything going on in the world of the New York Yankees. We'll be discussing everything about the Yankees roster, and Jonathan Loisaga, Luis Sessa, and Domingo Herman, and how each one of them impacts the Yankees' opening day roster. We'll be talking about who's making the final roster spot, Tyler Wade, and what his role will be in the upcoming season. And with opening day quickly approaching, we talk about the New York Yankees and their predictions and what we believe the New York Yankees will be doing for the 2019 season. All this and much, much more on today's episode of Pinstripe Talk this Wednesday at 5. Be there, Yankee fans. All right, welcome back into the 12th episode of the Ivy. As we get into our fourth topic today, if you have any last questions or comments, you can call into the show via the number 845-277-9345. And also, if you're going to be going to any of these last spring training games or if you want to go, to uh, Wrigley Field opening day, uh, you can use promo code BTN10 on Stubyard for 10% off any tickets for every event. That's BTN10 on Stubyard for 10% off any tickets for every event. So, Max, today uh, we're going to be getting into the fourth topic for Carlos Zambrano, the Cub of yesteryear, and definitely a guy, I know we talked a little bit about him last week, a guy that I watched uh, when I was a kid. I remember you know, seeing his, his emotion and, you know, always wore a guy that always wore his emotions on his sleeve with the competitive nature. Uh, he was nicknamed the Big Z or El Toro, and it was unfortunate that the Cubs couldn't have more postseason success with Carlos Sembrano because he was a great player. Um, do you remember anything about Carlos Sembrano um, and, you know, kind of whether that's uh, in his present day when he was playing or looking back at some of his past games? Um, there, I mean, you're a lot, you're a few years older than me. There's, I mean, I, I remember a little bit of Zambrano. I mean, I knew he was, I mean, at least I thought, um, he was going to be cub for life. Um, he did go to Miami in his last season. Uh, I have no idea why he did. Like, but do you know if that was his home city? Was Miami his home city? I was he trying, just like, yeah, I thought that was a little odd. Um, yeah. I don't really to answer your question off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, but I feel like there had to have been – I don't know, because when you look at his salary, though, I found his salary, and it was one year for $18 million. So it's not like it was, like, wow. you know, the classic – it's not like the yeah. classic veteran move, like one year, $7 million here, you can be on the team and he was start a not game. coming off. He was not coming off a good season either with the Cubs. Like, it was yeah, probably so – like, 
I feel like, uh, yeah, I don't feel like that it was really one of those, um, you know what I mean, like the memorable yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. give them the, little, the, the veteran contract just to kind of be on the team. So I think the Marlins actually were trying to find something there. Um, but, yeah, overall, Carlos Zambrano, just a great player. He won the Silver Slugger actually three times. He could definitely handle the bat. I remember watching him, uh, you know, he would rope, rope some hits uh, down third base line. But he had a 12-year MLB career, like you said, Max. Uh, it was 11 with the Cubs, and then the last year was with Miami. Uh, his best year probably was uh, in 2006. He had a career-high 16 wins. He finished fifth in Cy Young voting. And he actually finished. Uh, he finished fifth in Cy Young voting in 2004, 2006, and 2007, which I thought was kind of funny. He couldn't get past the uh, – he couldn't get over the hump. But in their three all-star games, in their three all-star games, he was 28th in MVP voting in 2004. Um, and then, like I said, he won a silver slugger three times. That was in years 2006, 2008, and 2009. Uh, with the Cubs, he uh, – he played only six games in 2001 in his first year. And then from there on out, it was pretty much 30 to 35 games a year. Uh, his career averages involved a 3.66 average ERA, which is pretty good. Um, it's not anything, like, outstanding, but that's pretty consistent. Um, and he had an average of 31 games started. Uh, so, overall, he was a pretty consistent pitcher. He had a sub-4 ERA from 2002 to 2010 with the Cubs showing that consistency. And then, like I said, Carlos Zambrano will always be remembered for just those, you know, ejections and kind of just, you know, crazy stuff. He hit batters. He yelled at umpires. But uh, it, it, for me, it never really was – I mean, I know that a lot of the other fans in the Central probably hate Carlos Zambrano, probably think he's kind of uh, full of himself. But for me, it never was, like, ill-natured. The Cubs were never very – good during these times as we all know and uh, he was a competitor and you like to see that. I feel like there's players in sports that we all know who they are um, that are just kind of these you know they wear it on their sleeve and they're these competitive guys and they say stuff and whatever but they're really good natured. I think guys like DeMarcus Cousins in basketball um, you know there's just those guys out there that are just like that and you kind of have to accept them for what they are. And I feel like Zimbrano always gave the Cubs everything he had. Yeah, definitely. Um, another uh, – something I found weird, too. I didn't even realize this. Like, Thomas, I don't know if you knew this, but – um, so 2006, like the one you said, um, to you was the best season of his career. Um, he led the major leagues in walks. He had 115 yeah. walks. In the next season, so he so he was an All Star and he finished fifth in Cy Young with the Silver Slugger in 2006. 2007, then he led the NL with 101. That's crazy. Yep. That's so crazy. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. And it's funny too because like nowadays, um, I feel like you wouldn't even see a player scratch a Cy Young list that led the M- or the NL yet alone the MLB in 2006 in walks. And I did yeah. see that number, but. Um, I think it just kind of was his nature. I mean, then again, though, in the other years, he really didn't get over, like, 80 to 90 walks. Some of the years yeah. he was in the 60s and 70s. So yeah. um, it was kind of just a fluke, and it really was kind of offset from uh, – it didn't really affect his ERA. I know that in 2007 he had a 395, which wasn't great. Um, but in that 2006 year, the 341, uh, that's pretty good. And uh, over his career as well, uh, see here, his his batting average allowed. I'm trying to find it. Um, one sec. I cannot find it. I'm not sure, but I know that overall, like just very good numbers. Um, and uh, those walks definitely are a little little um, interesting. Also, he had 20 hit by pitches in 2004, uh, which That's... was. <laughs> by far the most of his career. Um, and he also, his best number for home runs per nine was 0. 0.4 in 2003, uh, just a few more stats. But overall, yeah, I think that um, Carlos Sombrano, like I said, there's a fine line between being disrespectful and being a competitor. And, yes, he did 
stupid things. He said stupid things. He got ejected. But overall, I I think he really gave the Cubs everything he had and was a great Cub. Yeah. Something else, too. Um, His average per year, um, without looking, I don't know if you've already seen the number, or I don't remember if he said it earlier, but, like, what's your guess to how many innings he threw a year, like, on average? Um, I would guess, like, around six. No, not not per game. Like, throughout oh. the whole year. Oh, um, I would probably say around, like, two, uh, like 195 or, like, 205. I don't know, somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, he was at 203, which is, I didn't even realize, like, I know he was, like, I know he, like, usually got, quote-unquote, if you want to say, deep into games. He also, like, started more games than usual. Like, he started, like, 30, 34 games, 33 games, 33 games. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, you nowadays, you'll start, like, 33 games at the very most. And that's, like, yeah. worth an extra throw-in sometime. So, like, 216 and a third inning. Like, how many did Max Scherzer – or how many was the most last year by a player? Like, it's got to be, like – what was it? Like, 250? Do you have any idea? I can, I can check real quick. Okay. The most in his pitch, 2018. Yeah. I was, I'm pretty sure it's either Sale or Scherzer. But... Scherzer was at 220.2. 220. Yeah. Wow. Who led the league right, in two? Then... Okay, go, go ahead. On, go ahead. No, you can go. Well, I was just, just going to say that we have like two minutes, and being that opening day is Thursday, I just kind of wanted to give a little overview of, uh, you know, what's to come for the Cubs. Um I know that opening day is on Thursday. The Cubs will take on the Texas Rangers. Uh, that's 3.05 Central time. Uh, and then, just like you said, it'll be a three-game series. So do we have Friday off then? Uh, I have no idea. I don't think so. I think we – I can check it. So I'm pretty sure we played. Yeah, we do have Friday off. That's kind of how they – Oh, do we? Oh, yeah, I so didn't realize that. We play that. Thursday. We play Thursday and um, – I'll go on record saying that I do think, I know I said before, I do think Don Lester will start, but I just would not be surprised. There's like a 5 to 10% chance, you know, you see someone else uh, come up, you know, maybe, you know, you never know, maybe with all these injuries they've already had, you know, Lester may be injured. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts, you know, overall start the season? What are you expecting uh, for this first opening series? Um, I mean, the Rangers really aren't a great team, um, and like I had said earlier, it's the most hitter-friendly park in the MLB. So, um, guy, like I, th- I think Schwarber's going to do really well in that park. Um, just coming yep. because he's going to DH. Um, I think we can both agree on that. Um, as well as, um, I mean, I, I think Darvish or, or Hamels really could both. Um, I mean, pitch well if they were to start. Um, I don't know if you'll agree with that or not, but I mean, I definitely wouldn't be surprised just because of past years um, and how good they were in that ballpark. Yep, and then also the Cubs will actually play the first ten games on the road. Uh, the Cubs face the Rangers for three games, then they'll face the Braves in Atlanta for four, and then they'll actually face the Brewers for three before opening day at Wrigley Field is against Benson's Pirates um, on April eighth. But other than that, Max, do you have anything else before we wrap this up? Uh, just one thing. One, like, super nice, didn't even realize. We have an off day the 27th, the 29th, and then April 2nd, too. So that's three off days in six days or seven days, which is definitely good for the team. Still still upset about the end-of-the-year schedule, but I guess that's something yeah. to talk about later. Definitely. So that's going to wrap up our fourth episode of the Ivy Podcast here on March 24th. We look forward to seeing you guys next week on March 31st for our 13th episode as the Cubs will already have played their first games in Arlington. Uh, the specific time for the podcast will be to be determined, but we'll let you know via our Instagram. Mine is at the Cubs Wave, not Cubs Nation anymore. It's at the Cubs Wave, and then Max's is at Wrigley News. We'll let you know throughout the week what time it'll be. Lastly, as always, go Cubs go, guys, and we hope you have a relaxing rest of your Sunday. Thank you. Bipolar with the check Bipolar. I should put some crazy around my neck Bipolar. Go crazy with you
The IV is produced by Benson Fector. The IV is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Thomas, at the Cubs Wave, and Max, at Wrigley News. For more of the IV content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com and follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Ivy. We'll see you next time.